Hello and welcome to Board Stupid, the podcast that loves talking tabletop board games, D&D and other awesome stuff. I'm Wayne. I'm Simon. And I'm Tom. We're just now talking about the things we love that are worth geeking out over. So Simon, are you ready? Let's go. Tom, are you ready? Absolutely. The weirdest feeling of deja vu. <laughs> Let's take another bite at this one. <laughs> what are you guys are on about? Oh my god, let's get spicy and dive into this week's episode. This week we played Century Spice Road. We played as the series where we talk about an epic board game that we played this week. This week it's the spice collecting, trade route building, market manipulating Century Spice Road. In this episode we'll be diving into the things we liked and breaking down the elements that make it great. Because at the end of the day, we only play awesome games. And in Century Spice Road, the spice must flow? Wrong franchise. Wrong franchise. <laughs> yeah. The joke was better the first recording. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's appropriately timed at least. Absolutely, well, quite, quite. You mean that's actually coming out? Yeah, eventually. Ah, oh, let's hope so. Century Spice Road is the first in a series of games that explores the history of a century with spice trading as the theme. In Century Spice Road, players are caravan leaders who travel the famed Silk Road to deliver spices to the far reaches of the continent for fame and glory. It plays two to five players, is designed by Emerson Matsuchi, and is published by Plan B Games. Let's talk about the components and art design. We've got a nice simple game here, some relatively passive artwork on a wide selection of cards, which are a nice slightly oversized grade here. We've got some coloured cubes of four varying colours, and we have some nice metal coins, and that is about it, folks. But... It's nicely detailed, yeah, so let's It's discuss. a nice, lightweight game, relatively small box, pretty low component count, oh, certainly in terms of variety of components. Yes, 100%. Not a massive amount of stuff in the box, which is in contrast to basically 90% of the games on my shelf. As you say, you've got cards, you've got coins, you've got cubes, uh, very Euro cubes, and uh, some lovely plastic spice pots to put your cubes in, so you're not just throwing them on the table, so that's a lovely addition. And a wonderful, nice uh, lights rules sheet. And that is the entirety of the components of this game. Which is a nice change. It is, yeah. It makes it easy for us to describe for a start. But yeah, it means that it is what you see. There's no secret hidden component bit that you're like, oh, what does that do? What does that... It's just what you see is what you get in a good way. Yeah, exactly in line with the complexity of this game, which we'll talk about later in our review. It's well put together. The RRP is about 25 quid or slightly less that you can find it for. Feels good value. The addition of the metal coins and the little spice pots helps bring it above just a card game. Yeah, it's, and a, nice, it, it's a nice feel. It gives it a, a little bit of weight to it. Yeah, adds a little bit more to the production value. Makes it feel a bit more premium. Elevates it above a box of Uno cards or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know? well, and, and the artwork's a bit more interesting than Uno Indeed as it well. is. Yeah, yeah nice cool. artwork. A kind of varying scale of size of... What, what's the word I want? Maybe proportion on each of these cards, yeah. ranging from a... Yeah, they're, they're tall portrait cards, aren't they? Yeah, so we go from a domestic, kind of agricultural look on certain cards 
moving into uh, individual marketeers trading goods back and forth and then we scale out and up to these big kind of mural looking cards that have these nice markets there's one with uh, some pyramids on i see here so very that kind of middle eastern marrakesh kind of vibe yeah it's nice consistent theming of the artwork throughout the entirety of this production the cardstock itself is uh, relatively good quality um, again, oversized cards, so difficult-ish to sleeve if you wanted to, but I don't think you'd need to. This is a, a, a mass-produced game. You'd find this fairly easily at present. It's not out of print. The artwork, being of a consistent theme, has this uh, relatively muted color palette. It's not super bright, so we're not looking at a stylized, cartoonized art design here. It's sort of almost looks like oil paintings. Very yeah. much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it veers towards the realistic, but isn't photo photography. It is like a, a fairly realized. It's very art. sort of Renaissance painting yeah. style. It's um, still life. And you can't go wrong with some metal coins. You There's can never go wrong with metal coins. Not a huge number of them. They have a small but significant benefit. And actually a really nice design on the coin themselves, which is mirrored on the box art, which is a very stylized C for yes. the century. Kind of puts me in mind of a... Kind, kind of a compass? Looking? Kind of puts me in mind of an astrolabe. I think I referred to it as the other day. So as a star right, yeah. chart, which yeah. I think mm -hmm. may or may not be on purpose as uh, these people navigated by the stars across the desert. Maybe it's just me looking at across <laughs> across in a circle and extrapolating, but hey. In general, very nice production, muted, not over the top, exactly what you'd expect from a trading euro. Simon, how do you win a game of Century Spice Road? You are playing as a trader. You are looking to gain and trade varying numbers of spices, which are represented by these four coloured cubes, yellow, red, green and brown. And that's an ascending priority of importance on these cards. And you're using those to then buy victory point cards, which range in value from anywhere from 8 up to 20. There may be some lower and higher that we've not seen yet. It's a pretty solid deck. And each of these cards have a different requirement of number and value of spices on them. You also get a few bonus points for the number of spices left within your caravan that are anything above the base level. And if you pick up a victory point card from a certain place on the track, you also get a coin worth either one or three points as a bonus. Very nice. Let's break down taking a turn. And one of the things that you're going to do on your turn... The only thing you're going to well, do Well, as a matter turn. of fact, yeah, quite right. On your turn, you're going to do one thing. And as I've talked about before in multiple games, I like games where you do one thing. It's nice and clean. It's a great it's design. It's snappy. It, it's, it makes yeah. the game very quick fire. Exactly. No one likes massive amounts of downtime in board games. I'm and, sorry, you know, all right. <laughs> hey, well, at least deliberately designed yeah. downtime yeah, where yeah, someone's yeah. doing nine things. Mechanical downtime. Mechanical <laughs> downtime. No, not course and downtime. downtime. So um, one of the first things that you will do on your turn is to play a card from your hand. And that's very straightforward. You will take a card from your initial starting hand, of which everyone starts with exactly the same, and you'll play it face up on the table and enact its effect. And those effects will vary depending on the symbols on the card. Yeah, there is pretty much nothing but cubes and arrows on each of these cards that you it's play. Very easy, yeah. You're either gaining resources, you're uh, trading your resources, or you're upgrading the resources you currently hold. Yeah. And you only start with these two cards. One of them allows you to just harvest some spices. Mm -hmm. Two yellow spices, the lowest of the tiers. Mm -hmm. And the other one allows you to do an upgrade. And it's the only available upgrade card that you'll get access to. 
It gives you flexibility in stepping up your spices. Every other card in the game is going to be a trade. Trading either upwards from yellow to red, for example, or red to green or green to brown, or trading downwards. So one brown for multiple green, red, or yellow. Another action that you might do on your turn is to acquire a merchant from the merchant row. What I like about this game, which is also implemented in games such as the Manhattan Project and many other games, is you have a kind of cascading market or cascading open draft of cards that you can take from the, the central tableau. You'll take a look at the market cards in the center of the board, of which there will be six laid out face up on the table. You will then pick the one you want and place it into your hand with one sort of exception. When you've taken a card, every other card will cascade down, like you say. Um, when you are choosing a card, you can choose to take from anywhere in the row. If you decide to take from further to the right-hand side of the row of six cards, closer to the deck of cards that you're going to be replenishing from, you will have to pay a tax. You pay mm. one spice of any colour on each preceding card in the row until the card that you want to pick up which is always going to be a bit of a gamble mm -hmm. because you have to sacrifice some of your current stock, which will fuel your, your combo, your engine, in order to get a head start on perhaps a more valuable trade or a more beneficial harvest card, yeah. uh, harvest style card that you want to get before someone else can have. I mean, there'll be we'll talk about those point cards in a bit, but some of the point cards might have spice requirements and that will fit exactly with one of the market traders. And mm. if you get there first, well, by design that means you'll likely get to the points card first. Or, alternative, you might want to jump ahead at several uh, cards in the row in order to get a particularly favourable or beneficial harvest card. Yeah. The, the initial harvest card that you start with is only two yellows. But there's one on the table here that is a green and a yellow, which is effectively a tier three yeah. spice and a tier one spice. Or one that I had in this game, which was two yellows and a red. Yeah. So some of them are worth quite a lot more. Yeah, there's a constant flexibility between getting the one on the left-hand side of the row for free or paying a cost to go ahead. And then if someone has jumped ahead and those cards to the left of everything they picked up then become a bit more valuable because not only do they have their base function, but they've also got some spice for and free. And they building spice onto it. Like so it. Every, yeah, every time people skip that left those left-hand cards, they'll be adding spice mm. to those cards, making them more attractive. Yeah, so you guys both effectively bought your way ahead. You got early access to the market mm. and ended up with the left-hand card having, I think, three spice on it. I didn't particularly want that card for its function, but I wanted those three spice because that's three free spice for me. So yeah. I, I grabbed that card mm. up. I don't think I ever played it thereafter, but... Yeah, you got the three spice, which you can then immediately convert into a more valuable spice, you know, yeah, and, and get you ahead in or the I, uh, Or, in or the I game. could then next turn dump those three free spice to buy myself further along. It, oh, exactly it, that. It helps you get your engine going again more quickly if you can get more spice because yeah. you may... Uh, Trade in all of your spice and have to reset again from nothing, which can really slow you down. It can. And the reason we're looking to pick up these merchant cards, as Tom says, is some much more beneficial harvest cards. Yep. So they give you can play them and just gain resource. Uh, there's some that give you very powerful trading. So you can convert the existing spice on your caravan card into another combination of spices, which are mm. much more beneficial for you to then go ahead and by the victory point cards that yeah. is the end game. So ultimately, you're looking to build yourself a little engine 
It's sort of a mix of hand management and combo building. It needs to be reasonably lean, so you're not going to spend 20 turns just faffing around changing colors backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You want to try and give yourself some flexibility in order to produce a nice range of colors and uh, quantities in order to be able to then take the other action, which is going for the victory point cards. Exactly that. So you're acquiring merchants from the merchant row, uh, paying the appropriate spice if you need to. You will then be playing those cards from your hand to eventually build up the spices that you need to buy or acquire those points cards, which will range from anything from a handful of points, five or six, all the way up to sort of 20 points uh, or potentially more with those little bonus coins. Yeah, they are, as Wayne says, a varying point value and the, generally the lower points need a simpler or lower cost if you will of the spices required so they need the yellows and reds rather than the greens and the browns some of them you get a combination where it needs one of each color or more than one of each color these generally be the more expensive cards the higher victory point cards some need just a hell of a lot of the highest value of the spice the cinnamon the brown they do move along their own track as the merchant cards do they move left to right uh, depending on where the card is picked up from. You, again, you can pick right up... to left. I suppose it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sat the other side of the table. That's my defense. <laughs> so yeah, there's five cards out on display at any given time. You can pick up any one you want as long as you have the correct resource for it. If they slide down to the left-hand position, so one and two effectively, um, there's a stack of coins above each of those, a gold and a silver coin. If you pick up the one from the far left, you get the gold coin as a bonus. So sometimes there might be a point where you want to wait until the card that you want yeah. is not only in your grasp, sort you've got of. the right combination of resources, but also you get a bonus point or three for waiting for it. Yeah. But it is a dichotomy. It's uh, balancing market demand and timing because someone else might beat you to it. For example, there is a points card here, which is uh, four brown cubes for 16 points. It's currently in the third position of that points row. Should it move down into the second or first positions, it will become more valuable because it will move down one space. Then you can pick up a silver coin with it once you take it, which means it will be worth 17 points. If it moves down two spaces, you can pick up a gold coin with it, which means it will be worth 19 points. So as you say, Simon and Tom, you get a lovely bit of jeopardy between do I wait? And you might lose the card altogether from someone else claiming it from you. Um, so you have a nice little bit of risk reward. Do I take it now, spend the spice that I've built up to take that card, or do I wait a little bit longer till it becomes more valuable and then take it with mm. the bonus coin? Well, another thing is you're not necessarily waiting on uh, or competing with other players for that card because the players might be going for something different. You might be holding off on buying that card because you want to make sure that you don't run yourself out completely of spice. Yeah because the engine can be difficult to restart again if you leave yourself with no stock at all. And of course, the left-hand most card might never be picked up. It might just never be worth enough in any of the player's view to pick it up. So the card you're waiting to shuffle down, it might never shuffle it down. It might never go, yeah. Or it might just be, it'll shuffle down one space, and then because you've waited so long, the player before you has also had time to build up that resource and yeah. snaffles it. Mm. There's always more cards coming out, though. that's yeah, the great exactly. thing. So you're never going to be left wanting. It's just a quick shift turn to turn of, oh, I've, I don't need four brown now, I only need two brown, a red and a green. And I've got the right card because I've got the merchant card, which allows me to convert. Mm. So uh, two more turns, you do a conversion. Next turn, you pick up the card that's suddenly available for you. Exactly that. 
And on your turn, as we talked about, you're going to play a card upright. Once you've played it, it's going to stay in front of you, so you no longer have access to that ability. Um, so that, that part of your combo has been played. Eventually, you're going to want to pick up your cards again, and that's the final action that you can do in this game, that is to rest and claim all of your cards back that you've played back into your hand. Reset your hand, um, reset the combo, and you can start again. Yeah, and it can be a tactical thing. It's not necessarily that you'll want to or be able to play every card in your hand. You might realise that you've actually got five or six cards. They've played in the right combination, the right order, will get you a great set of resources every yeah. single time. So you effectively ignore the last two, three, four in your hand. You play those six really good combo cards. Mm. You get the benefit, you pick up your victory point card. You then rest and pick mm -hmm. up everything without having used all of the oh, cards. Everything's, everything is uh, timing. It's always a race to try and get to those victory point cards first mm. because the game will uh, play very quickly and the game will um, end as soon as someone has bought their fifth or sixth yeah, card. So, yeah, that's right, depending on how many depending players. On how many players. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely, that's a, a game style that I think we all might lean into at various points is not really worry about too much the victory points on any given card just get them as quick as yeah. you can get that engine that means lots of resources quickly doesn't matter what the card is buy a card yeah i buy it quicker than you it's a valid option that, that's what i tried to do today oh, was just to rush 100... rush the game yeah. in fact i even skipped a color entirely because i had picked up some favorable trades and i didn't need the reds and the yeah. starting cards that came out had no reds that's perfectly legit if you get those low point uh point cards the low value point cards picking up five or six of those before anyone has got three, you're probably still going to win. Okay, Tom, let's talk about the theme gameplay interaction. Does Century Spice Road feel thematic, and do you feel like the gameplay works together with the theme? Uh, yes and no. It's definitely a trading Euro game, but it is just window dressing. It could be any economy-based trading-heavy Euro cube game. Euro cube game with or without pots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fully agree. The flavour of the cards and this setting, this Middle Eastern spice trade, I think is really nice. And it, it, is. it suits the game perfectly well, but it could be dilithium crystals to power your starship just as easily. And you've got yes. you know, your pink, your blue, your green and your jet black crystal that you're trading instead. Well, they even, the, the guys who make this even make another edition of it which is reskinned, but the exact same game, which is uh, the Golem Edition. Ah, which is yeah, exactly the same thing. So you're sort quite of a right. Fantasy, fantasy themed version. Yeah, instead. I think of jewels or something, etc. Yeah. Et I 100% agree with the pair of you. It's it's a nice theme. It's perfectly pleasant. The it's a nice, calming, relaxing thing. Almost like we talked about when we played Wingspan. This isn't a offensive theme. It's fairly accessible. Mm. It's just trading in the Middle East. Yeah, which is a nice. It, it fits, but I don't think anyone's going to be buying it because it's a game about trading um, in the Middle East. Trading. No, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. It's it's not essential. It's it's like, music. It's the elevator music, where the elevator is the important bit, right? Not mm -hmm. what, not what you're hearing. <laughs> yeah, well, otherwise yeah. you just fall down a big hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't want to plummet. And as we'll talk about in in what we like about it, the mechanics stand on their own two feet. The theme is I'm detached from the theme in this game. It's pleasant enough. But what interests me more is the puzzle. Yeah, as we came to record this, I reflected that I hadn't really taken in any of the art on anything but a very Quite. surface level. I was looking at the cubes and the representations on each of these cards. In taking a more detailed look post-game, I went, oh, actually, that's really nice. Yeah. 
but I hadn't acknowledged it really at all. It doesn't no. help me know what the card does. Mm. The art is the art for the art's yeah, sake. Yeah, we, we noticed but... that the cards aren't, they're not all totally unique. Cards of a certain type share artwork. The trades that cost one to trade down are all the same artwork. The trades that are two are all the same artwork. The collection cards, I think, are, uh, or the, the harvest cards are one, yeah. of, one of two or one of three different artworks. Arguably, though, another card design is more hours for the artist. It'll bump the price up. So yeah, of course. I'm, I'm happy enough to have a few repeats. As we say, it's it's not inconsequential, but it's low, in, low enough on the consequence to really yeah. not be a you thing. Would, you game, wouldn't really yeah. notice unless you're being really anal about components like we are. Yeah, exactly. When we break down <laughs> games into <laughs> yeah. their constituent parts. But yeah, it's, uh, it's not important to the game. I think that's the key thing to take away from this. Simon, how do you feel about the gameplay flow? What do you feel about the turn length? the clarity of the rules and where you might weight this complexity turn length is about as quick as you could get i would say you are as we've said from the very start you're only overdoing one thing on your turn it's one of four things generally only one of three things because the fourth is the pick up all of your cards you'll only be doing that once every eight to ten turns generally so yeah it goes around very quickly from one player to the next Complexity-wise, I think this is very straightforward to understand. Bright colours, red, yellow, green, brown. This number of cubes is what you pick up, or this number of cubes is what you convert into this number of cubes. Mm -hmm. The victory point cards require a certain number of these colours. There's nothing more to it. So complexity-wise, I'd say this is very simple, possibly as low as a 1, maybe a 2. Very lightweight. Super, super quick fire play. The game obviously becomes a little bit more complicated as you work your way through because you're building a combo. So you may want to think about what order in which you play things. But ultimately, you know, particularly if you're playing with four players, by the time it's gone around the table, you've probably already decided what you want to do. Or you might have decided three or four turns in advance uh, how you want to get to a certain colour in order to aim for a victory point card that you're aiming for. Indeed, yeah. With the right combination of cards and a degree of familiarity, you'll absolutely be angling to do pick up these, convert them to this, then trade those to this, and then pick up that card. Mm, Speed trading. Agreed with you both. The turn length is incredibly snappy, and it's enjoyable because of that, I feel. As we've talked about before, downtime can be a problem in some games. It's not a problem in these sorts of games. And it's like I said at the top of the um, we played. It's a game where you do one thing. That lends itself to a level of snappy play. You do the thing, you resolve it, the next person does the thing, and so on. Yeah, and the resolution is quick as well. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you're not resolving something for 20 minutes after you play a card. It's a couple of, you know, it's 30 seconds at most, generally, most turns will do. And this game length reflects that. It will play in half an hour to 45 minutes at the maximum play account, and it doesn't outstay its welcome. I think that's pretty much exactly what it needs to be. Yeah, it's satisfying switching out those cubes. You pay your two, you get your four, five in varying combinations back. You suddenly get the right combo. You pick up the card you need. Nothing takes very long at all. And it does reward some experimentation as well. Choosing, taking that risk, paying out the spice you hold to get a much more beneficial card. Trading in the spice you have for what might be a random combination. It's not an obvious, oh, I need these things that I'll trade for. It might be, oh, I'll trade for these and then I'll see what I can do with the next turn with the other cards I hold. There's so much variability in there. The clarity of the rules is super straightforward it's a two-pager essentially it's one cardboard sheet of which you have the rules on both sides and there is plenty enough detail in there i did one read through and immediately understood everything about the rules 
and and it's very easy to teach yeah you do those four things no back referencing whatsoever once you know what the options are everything is on the cards i for never you. looked at that rule sheet after the first time i read it yep and that tells you everything you need to know in terms of how easy this is to learn and then teach. Yeah, the only thing we looked up was uh, just to make sure we knew how many cubes people start with at the beginning of the game. And that was basically it. In terms of its complexity, weight, I would agree with you, Simon. I'd put it around a 1.5, somewhere yeah. between a 1 and a 2. Would you... Here's a discussion point, I guess, for a couple of moments. We rated Wingspan similarly between a 1 and a 2, I think. Would you put this at roughly the same weight as that? Would you class this as a next step game? This is less complex for me than Wingspan. I would say this is more accessible. There's a couple of less steps required to get that engine going because it's only ever involving the same thing, whereas Wingspan has resources and yeah. eggs and There's feeding and so on. There's a lot more, more I think, interaction um, in the pieces of the engine in Wingspan. Yes, I would agree. And even just looking at the cards themselves, in Century Spice Road, you just have pictures of cubes in different colours and some arrows. Mm. With Wingspan as the comparison, in this case, you've got everything, as you say, Simon, from the type of nest that it is, to the resources that it needs, to a special ability, to the eggs that it's got on it, to its cost. Uh, yeah, there's a whole heap on there which is to be considered. You could probably use this as an introductory game. Yeah, this, I think this is a one for me, but then I suppose my... My range is probably always going to be starting at, um, at least a step ahead of very, yeah. very basic introduction games. So, Simon, what do you like most about Century Spice Road? I think I enjoy the flexibility that you can have with this, as you say, engine building, but combo. It's not deck building, but having that flexibility of the combo engine where you can yeah. try out different things turn to turn that oh, that didn't quite work, I don't quite have the resources, I'll pivot and I'll use this card instead to drive the engine in that direction for the next couple of turns. I really like that flexibility. Mm. I, I love combo building. So combo building, uh, deck drafting, anything anything where I get a little engine to, to work on that becomes like a satisfying payoff, Yeah, I really like. This is a really sort of distilled version of that. And you've still got the elements of working out when is best to trade off between adding more elements to your engine versus trying to make a push for playing that engine mm -hmm. and getting the points um, because everything is timed. There's a there's a, a relatively short limit on how long the game will run. Agreed. I'm going to pick up on a word that you both said at various points during this we played, and June. I will June. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the spice must flow. I thought it was cubes. The, the cubes. Um, no, and it's one that I was going to say exactly, I was going to say myself and, and copy you folks, which is satisfying. Mm. I find this game very satisfying to play, both in making the right decision when I identify a points card that comes out and then I can say, okay, well, this market trader is immediately going to help me with that. Or looking at the cards in my hand and going, ah, if I do this, 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 I've got exactly what I need to pick up 22 points before yeah. Simon does. Yeah. Right or before Tom does, I can get this yeah. one turn before. Yeah, There's can't... enough to it that you can have a look at what other people are doing and guess a few turns out what you think you need to do in order to beat someone to a particular trader or yeah, a particular it, it, it victory point. Gives card. you lots of little instances of feeling like a smart ass. Yeah, lots <laughs> of. Yeah. We talked about that before, right? In game in mm. wingspan with a good, well-designed combo building 
game or game that has combos in it will make you feel clever for identifying mm. combos yourself. Yeah. And it will do it will make that easy for you by giving you those options to work it out. Rewards you for optimizing the combo, but at the basic level, you will always get the satisfaction from having, you know, two, three, four pieces of that combo, even if even if you can't plan out perfectly exactly what you want to do. Yeah, you'll never not be able to pick up victory point cards. You just might not be the quickest at it to start with. Just keep playing, you'll get there. There's a hell of a lot to like about it, I to be honest with you. For something that's so light, it's incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, it's a good one. Anything you didn't like about Century Spice Road, Tom? It's probably going to be the window dressing, if anything. Uh, it doesn't... The theme in this one doesn't feel particularly necessary or... And it doesn't dominate the game at all. It's a game about spice trading, but I don't really care about spice trading. I enjoy the mechanics, but it could probably have a slightly more interesting theme to it. I was going to say, I'll bounce it back at you, because in terms of wingspan, and, and I'm going to make that comparison, this is nothing like wingspan, only in That's terms true. of its combos, yeah. but that also did not care really about birds, but that theme draws me in more in terms of how it's implemented. I think I like the eggs more than the cubes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it feels like more thought in Wingspan was put towards turning the theme into the mechanics. Yes. Right? Yeah, for me, this is a much lighter game. Just overall, it is, yeah, of I, I, I don't feel like I need to level any negatives at it simply because it's not trying in the same way as Wingspan is to develop this encapsulating world. At least I don't get that impression. No, I agree. It It is a theme which is reasonable enough. It does what it does and it ties in well enough, but it doesn't need to oversell itself I think that's entirely fair um, I would also agree that it's really only the fact that the um, theme is window dressing but as we've said already and hopefully that you pick up this game isn't a heavyweight at all and it stands entirely on its own very satisfying mecha- mechanisms yeah, which are very absolutely. well implemented if you've played Splendor this is a Splendor beta it's, it's, very it's a little step more complicated yeah. and, it, and it I'm going to keep saying it but it feels more satisfying it is better it's more satisfying than that it's a better game who might this game be for 16th century spice traders (laughs) (laughs) to those listening on the podcast yeah the 16th century spice trader do drop us a line if you are from the 1500s and uh, have heard this podcast i'd be (laughs) fascinated to hear more i'd enjoy that yeah but i think this is a very it's an inoppressive, inoffensive theme that you can, and the mechanisms are nice and simple. You could play this with most folks, board gamers or non, uh, if you just want a nice, uh, fairly easy game to explain to people and, and to have a, have a good time. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's effectively a, a next step game. So if you've got anyone that has ever expressed an interest in what you do, if you're one of us, you are a board gamer one yourselves or you're looking us. to get into board games and yeah. you haven't found quite the thing that you click with yet, this has got a nice little combo of things that you can mm. try out. I, I think it's a good way to introduce people to something like hand management and combo building. Yeah, I agree. Indeed. Alrighty, so final thoughts on Century Spice Road. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. I really like the mechanics. I love a combo builder, and this is a sort of very boiled down, simple, satisfying feeling combo builder. Yeah, I'd, I'd mirror that and say it's not a must-buy necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's a must-play. It's definitely one that's worth a go if any of these game mechanics or styles that we've described speak to you in any way. It's 
really enjoyable. And as we've said a few times, it's not a long game. So if you can get your hands on a copy or a mate has it, don't knock it. Give it a go and uh, have a good time. I agree. This is a... If you've got a game night, I'd call this an opener. Yeah. So this is or, a, or a bit of a filler. Or a filler. In between something heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, it was our opener yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah, I would, yeah I'd, I, I'd, I'd bounce back against filler because I would call fillers very specific games or types of games. But you you could almost fill some time with it. Yeah. I think this is a nice opener. Or if anything, if I'd like to think of this as a coffee shop game. If there's yeah. a board game coffee shop, this is great to have a coffee over. Absolutely. And you don't really yeah. need an enormous amount of space. Don't need loads of space. It's a relaxed theme. It's pick up and casual enough that it yeah, it will last you your cup of tea and a cake. Yep, and then off you go for the next one. And very enjoyable too. Thanks for listening to Board Stupid. Subscribe to us for updates and to get future episodes of the show delivered directly to your ear holes via your favourite podcast service. You can also find us at Facebook and Instagram.com forward slash board stupid uk spelt b-o-a-r-d you can also find us at our home anchor.fm forward slash board stupid again don't forget b-o-a-r-d if you like our content do us a massive favor and give us a five-star review wherever you can review us and share the links to the episodes on social media if you've got any feedback comments or questions please stick it in the comments below because we love hearing from you and we genuinely mean that have you played Century Spice Road? What do you think of that quick fire engine building? Do you focus on building up a hand of trades with lots of options? Or do you try and play as lean as possible and keep resetting that combo? Are you making lots of inappropriate references about June? Yes. <laughs> Fear is the mind killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you guys going to wrap out when we actually do the June review? Oh, though? don't. <laughs> We're going to talk about spice trading in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of a game about 16th century spice <laughs> trading. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the cardamom must flow. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll catch you again real soon. Far across the Osmit Sea, in the trading town of Anchorel, you may find the goblin bar you'll ask you. Do you spice? <laughs> One there for the critical role fans out there. Any spice? Anybody? Spice? 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 spice?